Hi, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, and welcome to Series 3 of Enterprising Mindsets, Minding Your Money. We'll be exploring the often overlooked role that mindset plays in building financial capability and the significant benefits to be gained from understanding the impact our attitudes, beliefs and values have on our behaviours around money. I'm hoping we'll discover some new ways to help young people build a money-related mindset and also explore the contribution this could have in increasing social mobility in the future. Now, my guest today is Saeed Acha, MBE and DL. Saeed is a Chief Executive of the Youth-Led Charity Youth Leads UK and also Deputy Lieutenant of Greater Manchester and Commissioner of the Social Mobility Commission. Born in Bolton, Saeed founded the charity Youth Leads UK, supporting disadvantaged young people in Greater Manchester to access volunteering opportunities and skill development programmes. He was appointed Deputy Lieutenant of Manchester by the Lord Lieutenant of Greater Manchester in June 2019. He's patron of the East of England's children's charity, Ormondson's families and was awarded an MBE for services to young people and the community in Greater Manchester in the 2019 New Year's Honours. He was the youngest recipient on the list. Acha was awarded a Point of Light Award by the Prime Minister David Cameron for his work establishing the Explode magazine. It's a huge pleasure to welcome you to Minding Your Money, Said. Thank you. Gosh, what an introduction. <laughs> well, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm feeling quite nervous because that's huge, huge achievements. Now I now I know why I don't have an awful lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you clearly. You just listed my CV. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, born in Bolton, I'm. that's where I'm coming live from today. Wow. So Saeed, I am really interested to discuss your insights on the potential contribution that financial education can make to increase in social mobility. Before we do that, I'd love the chance for listeners to just to get to know you a little, if I may. Yeah, of course. So we know mindsets is often informed by our early experiences of the world and research tells us money habits and behaviours pretty much stick with us for life and when they're formed by the age of seven. So who and what were your early memorable influences that informed your attitude and mindset to money? I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. My, my upbringing, um, I, I was in care for a large part of my life um, and, and faced and, and grew up through difficulty. When I think about money, you know, there was the, uh, the, the couple of, of, of quid that I'd get from, from my mum for my, for, for my pocket money um, at the end of every week. And, and that I could do with what, what I wanted to do with it. But then because of my upbringing and because I was, um, I was that rebellious child and often on the peripheries of, of, of criminal justice teams, when I look back, I'm not proud of this, but actually it did shape a lot of, of my thinking around money in, in, in this day. I would dip into my mum's purse and take a couple of quid every time I wanted to buy some sweets. And I think... That attitude um, and, and mindset around money for me just wasn't there because I hadn't had the learning. I didn't know what it took for the money to, to be in my mum's purse, if you know what I mean. I didn't know that she would have to go out and work in order to get that. You know, it was just there. And, and, and so in my early kind of use of, of money, there wasn't really a mindset um, uh, that was there. The attitude for me was, you know, that that couple of quid is there, and that's it. Now, when I look back and I think about some of the challenges and disadvantages that we grew up with, and now I realise that that couple of quid 
was the difference between us having a, a decent meal and, and heating our home. I think, goodness me, what bizarre choices I made when I was younger. And in what ways do you think that those early influences, those early experiences have stuck with you in regards to your emotional relationship with money now as an adult? I think I appreciate a lot more now how money comes to be in your pocket and, and the hard work that that goes into it and, and knowing how much you have to, to, to work, to earn. And that that's what I... I I think really when it comes to early influences was was when I got in trouble for, for doing what I did from, from nicking nicking money from, from my mum. Oh, did um, you did you find out in the end then? Gosh yes, she found out and, and oh I was in trouble. Um, <laughs> she found out when she was doing doing her budgeting um, and was like, I haven't spent this. And and I remember her shouting, I was upstairs, she was downstairs and she was like, Saeed, just just come down. And I came down, and there she was with her her, her notebook and, and her pen. She was like, "I'm one pound fifty short this week," and 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 my answer was like, "Yeah," and <laughs> um, and and she was like, "Do you know where it is? Do you know have, have I misplaced it?" Or so she she wasn't like you know p- pinning the blame on me. She was trying to get me to own up to it, and and um, and when. When I eventually owned up to it, I, I, I did get a little clip around the ear. Um, and, and she said, look, you need to know where this comes from and you need to know where it needs to go. And that's when, when we talk about early influences, that's when I was able to understand what she's gone through to earn that, that, that cash, which then needs to go onto the gas and electric meter in order to, to, to go to the supermarket. And, and, and just seeing her there tossing up how much... And, and she, the fact that she knew she had one pound fifty short that week, you know, that did say to me, "Said you have to plan, you have to budget, you have to think about what this money is going to get you." So, so that has stuck with me in terms of my my emotional relationship with money. Now, I think when I went into carers in my early teens, I. I think it's I mean, it's probably a fact, isn't it, that young people who are care experienced don't have the best relationship with with money, and I was the same. Um, you know, I, I would I would just spend whatever whatever I had. I was I say fortunate enough to work, but I wasn't fortunate in, in, enough to work. I, I I put hard work in to get a job at the age of fifteen, um, and and you know I was working in a corner shop uh, from six a.m. to six p.m. on a Saturday and a Sunday. I sacrificed my weekends. Because there was no other choice, you know, I had to earn, and 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 so I was because I, I sacrificed the weekends to earn, and then during the week I would I would spend that that money on you know not things that I need like my lunch and, and things like that, and then because I'd set up the charity and I was starting to to be invited to things. Um, business meetings, et cetera, et cetera. I remember having to buy my first suit and it taking me almost six months to earn enough money to buy that suit. So that's the kind, that's the emotional relationship I have with money now. And I, I'm sadly, I'm that person that will always look for a promo code uh, before I order anything online and try and get a discount. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's my relationship with, with, with money now. And it sounds like that 
such a formative experience of your mum actually talking you through mm-hmm. why that 150 was so important and how she needed to work for it. It sounds like that as then when we look back as we'd started and your incredible contribution you've made in in such you know short a short period of time because you're still relatively young aren't you yeah 25 now 25 i mean it's incredible really it really is incredible said if i may we'll 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 move on can we talk a little bit about about social mobility i know you're a social mobility commissioner we hear a lot don't we about the term social mobility we hear a lot about leveling up um particularly um around us in the northwest how would you define social mobility as a social mobility commissioner? So I, I think the actual definition of social mobility is, f- for me, too academic. And what I boil it down to is is the opportunity for one to get ahead in life, no matter our background. That's the way I, I, I define it. And I think that, that that essentially is what social mobility is, your background not having an influence on, on, on where you end up. And... The issue with social mobility, in my experience, is just how broad it is, because your background could mean so many things. You know, social mobility looks at health, looks at uh, education, looks at housing, looks at um, uh, work, looks at so many things, um, and and I, I think sometimes. When you look at the measure of social mobility and it's about your income compared to your parents' income and it takes an entire generation to to measure that, I just I have to simplify it, not just for myself, but for my peers. When when I remember when I was appointed social mobility commissioner and they thought I was doing something with wheelchairs. You know, they they, they, they didn't know what social mobility was and, and you know, it, it, before I knew of the commission, I didn't know what the term social mobility meant. So for me it's getting ahead in life, no matter the circumstances you're born into. And that's a very accessible definition. And, if, and then in terms of the Social Mobility Commission, if someone asked, what is it that you actually do? Mm. What, what is the role in increasing social mobility by the commission? So I see my role as a commissioner to um, hold the government to account where we can, um, to promote social mobility and to encourage all parts of society to to act on and advance social mobility. So there's an awful lot of work um, that that we've done with with private business to change the way they recruit, to look at um, where they recruit from. You know, are they just recruiting from from Russell Group universities, or, or are they extending that? Is it you know is it really that important to have a degree um, on that job ad? Is it going to make that kind of difference or not? So asking these questions, really challenging employers, challenging the government, and promoting social mobility, I would see. I, I would say, sorry, are, are are the key things that make up the role of a social mobility commissioner. And this is a really sneaky question, Zaid. I'm sorry, but just between me and you, if you could wave a magic wand to increase social mobility as a social mobility commissioner in the UK right now, because it's incredibly needed. We know it's on the decline and has been. What would be the one decision that you'd make? I think it would have to be around education. If you learn more, you earn more. And I think that if I had a magic wand for social mobility and can only make one decision, it would just be putting a hell of a lot of of investment 
into careers, advice and guidance and just educating young people on what is out there. Educating parents on what activities their young people can be involved in. Educating schools on what businesses they need to engage with in order to get young people even visiting an office, for example, increasing work experience, choosing the right university. All of that comes down to careers, information, advice and guidance. So I would I, I would invest heavily in that, just showing young people that there is a world out there. So it's building that ecosystem. Absolutely. And then when we talk about mindset around money being formed very early on in our lives, do you feel that young people's access to, to credible financial education is, is impacted by other barriers to social mobility? Frankly, I don't think there's enough education uh, around finances. I don't think that, you know, I think we're in a, we, we've got real issues with financial literacy in, in the UK. And um, for, for me, when you look at, uh, when you look at it through that lens of social mobility and you, you see that young people from disadvantaged and underprivileged backgrounds have so much more catching up to do with education, schools haven't got the time to, to, to look at financial education because they've got to up those grades um, for those underprivileged young people. They've got to put in that extra support. So sadly, things like financial education and, and, and other kinds of uh, PHSE just get left to one side. And I think that's wrong because actually we all need to understand how to use money. We all need to, to, to understand what it can do for us, what a mortgage is, what credit is, you know, all of these things, how to manage a bank account, what the difference is between a current account and a savings account. All of these things we do in our lives every single day. So you should have, have that experience and and, and of course, it, it is affected by, uh, you know, barriers to social mobility. Mm. And so just, just taking you back to Youth Leeds UK, how old were you when you set up that charity? I was 15. I'd love to know your unique insight onto this question then. So yeah. how important are relatable role models when it comes to developing financial capability in young, in young people? Massively important. Relatable role models just in, are, are really, I think, one of my passions is trying to increase the, the amount of, of relatable role models and um, especially when it comes to financial capability because when you are in a room with someone who understands the issues that you have faced in your upbringing, you are so much more likely to open up, to take on board what they say, to, to really act on what these role models say and that's that's why I think they are crucially important to exploring financial education. Setting up the charity at 15, so this is 10 years ago, you would have seen, you'd have had quite a unique insight into the role of relatable role models. Did, did you have role models that were that you'd found relatable and you felt that that should be widened or what, what was the background to setting the charity up? So for me, the role models that I had um, were, were quite aspirational role models and and for me, my role models were uh, Sir Richard Branson and, and you know, people like that, that I just felt, wow, you know, these are inventors. These are incredible people. They were my, my I would say, aspirational role models. I then had to have relatable role models um, because, if, I mean, I did write to Sir Richard Branson and, and got a response. Did you? Um, Yes, yeah, yeah. And then I met him a couple of years ago, actually, and we spoke about that And because and, he set up a, a newspaper when I uh, 
Because when I set up my charity, it was just a magazine at first. This is Explode, is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was Explode magazine. That was a whole organisation at first. Mm. Um, it, it was just to combat um, the, the negative media coverage towards young people. And then we formed a charity doing skills development. Um, and Sir Richard Braxton started out his career with, with, with setting up a newspaper at his school. Um, so we, we had, bizarrely, there was that relatability there, actually. Now, now I've said that out loud. Yes, there was relatability because... I wanted to do something and he's been through it. Um, so, yeah, actually, yes. And, and now he's very much flying high. So relatable role models. Yes, I had the aspirational role models. There was also my teachers at school that were that were crucial to, to supporting me in, on, on the journey. And my social workers as well. They, they were really pushing for me to do what I wanted to do and... When I had the idea to set up the charity, you know, I didn't have a massive amount of financial knowledge and I was given a budget to, to set up the organisation. So I, I had to learn. I was in the thick of it, you know, about what is this money going to pay for? How much are we then going to make off putting adverts in the magazine and trying to think about all these things and using a spreadsheet for the first time, actually budgeting. Um, and that was supported, as I say, by my social workers and, and the staff at school um, and the mentor um, that I had from business who first sponsored the, the magazine. It's an incredible journey to listen to. It really is. I, I, you mentioned your care experience. I'd like to ask you a question about that, if I may. You may know that Young Money is a secretariat for the Financial Educational Party Parliamentary Group for Financial Education. And in 2019, the APPG published a report on financial education for young people in care. And that provided a number of recommendations, including that government should introduce a requirement and provide funding to ensure that personal advisors, social workers and any other kind of support workers working with children in care and care leavers are trained in providing financial education skills. Um, I know you've often taught publicly about your care experience. What's your view on the role of financial education in helping young people about to leave care to prepare for independent living? Young people in care have a very different life to those not in care. And when I think of, of my peers who, um, the majority of them still live at home with their parents, when, when you're in care, most of the time you don't have that option. You are moving out you are thrown into the deep end of of life it is it is very difficult for young people who are care experienced to stay with foster carers for longer than than their 18th birthday if not before and so you have to be ready to manage on your own financially on what is often a very very tight budget because of the that maybe the difficulties that you've grown up with you've not been able to get as high grades at GCSE, you may not have, have again got, got high grades at college and, and might not be in a, a job. So it's it's so difficult and you're in such a vulnerable place because you could very quickly and easily fall into debt. And sadly, so many care experienced young people are are forced into homelessness. And you know, it's incredibly, incredibly sad to see that. So financial education is the make or break when it comes to care experience, young people getting ahead in life. 
it's so interesting you should say that. I I, I, um, I read one of the testimonies of, of one of the young people um, who, who gave evidence to the inquiry and it included things like, you know, water bills, you know, just not knowing that you needed to pay for water because no one's ever said anything about, you know, those kind of bills. And you thought that water was free. And it's it's just it's just being able to really help prepare. Because the irony is, isn't it, as you've just described, that young people leaving care are more exposed and quick, more quickly exposed to independent living than probably other people living with their families. If, for example, you throw into that mix digital poverty, not having the access to a device or data, you're often then, because of that, paying more for your gas and electric because you can't do the comparisons online. Um, you know, if you're not, if you don't know how to submit your water meter reading, your bills could be higher than you actually need to pay, and and so, you know, there are so many things involved with 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 care leavers that that I think are crucial to them getting ahead in, in life or not. And the fact that PAs and, and social workers need to have that that training, I think, is, is really, really good, really welcome, uh, because you have to make sure that those young people are as equipped as they can be to leave care at the age of 18, to live independently, and to start to tackle some of these uh, challenges. My last question really is is one about research and there's very little out there in terms of research linking financial capability with social mobility. I think at Young Enterprise, we believe that is something to explore further. What are your views on the contribution that financial capability could make to social mobility? If there isn't the research there, do you know, it's a shame that I am coming to the end of my term as, as commissioner, but in whatever handover I write, I will make sure I put this in because I think it is crucially important that 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 link is explored because if we're unable to tell that story, we may not be able to get that uh, that that buy-in and that investment into financial education that we need. So I think it's certainly something that needs to be researched, needs to be explored. What are my views on the contribution that financial capability can make to social mobility? Wow, where do you start with this? Because you know, if you have that financial capability and you understand maybe how mortgages work and um, you know housing is a huge part of, of social mobility, if you understand how to do price comparisons, you understand how to budget, you understand all of these things, you're able to make better informed financial decisions, meaning you're able to climb that ladder of social mobility quicker and you're able to make the right decisions at the right time, you're less likely to fall into debt and, and things like that. So if we were to think about it in, in, in like years, you, you could be five years ahead of your peers if, if you were, and, and I'm sure that, well, that's, that's the research, isn't it, that we need to explore. How far ahead are those that are more advantaged that have uh, financial education built into to their curriculum or, you know, they have that financial capability? How far ahead are they than underprivileged and underserved young people? Once we know that, then we can start to make a bigger case for improving this. Said, I was always excited about interviewing you today. I have to say our discussion has lived up to everything I'd hoped for. Um, ah, fantastic. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to find out more about the work of your brilliant charity, what do they need to do? Very simple. Just search online for Youth Leads UK. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, of course, you can get us on our website as well youthleads.uk. 
Thank you so much for talking with me on Minding Your Money. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to Saeed for joining us on Enterprising Mindset, Minding Your Money. To hear more interviews like Saeed's and Access Series 1 and 2, please subscribe to Enterprising Mindsets on your favourite podcast service. And please do leave us a review as well, if possible. Thank you for listening. Thank you.